and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I'm your host, Nolu Tando Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek answers to those mystery bumps and lumps you dare not speak of in public. I hope you all had a beautiful Valentine's Day like Lerato Khanyaho, who was blessed with a whole hotel and restaurant. I guess teddies and chocolate just don't cut it anymore. But we do have pressing matters to attend to. Anyways, besides Lerato's envy-worthy Valentine's Day gift, we do have pressing matters to attend to, like our friend in crisis from Cape Town who sent us a voice note. My wife and I have been trying to conceive for 18 months now. No luck. At 12 months, we both went and got tested. She checked out fine. I checked out fine for the most part. They said my maturity was slightly below average. Fast forward another six months, we are still not pregnant. Two months ago, we went and got an ultrasound of her uterus and ovaries and all that stuff. The doctor said her ovaries were beautiful, her tubes were great. And she had an egg sitting there ready to drop for ovulation in three or four days. We tried, didn't work. I try and play the positive role. I tell her many couples have been trying longer than us. We both have checked out fine and the stars have not aligned yet. We hope it's soon. I turn 32 in October, she turns 29 in April. Are we doing something wrong? Anonza, I got you, babes. Dr. Trini Sile Diale joins us all the way from Centurion to come to your rescue. Diale is affectionately called Dr. Q by her patients and is a practicing obstetrician and gynecologist based in Gauteng. Her passion, however, is infertility and endocrinology. Dr. Q is also a founder of Family Matters, a female-owned fertility clinic. We specialize in fertility. Tell us what does infertility mean and whether it's a male or female problem. So when we talk about infertility or when we say someone is infertile, it basically means that the individual has a disease of the reproductive system and it includes both male reproductive system and female reproductive system. So it could be either or or both. So that disease then results in the person having difficulty to conceive. And that we diagnose when difficulty to conceive happens for at least over a period of 12 months, which is a year. Given that the person does have regular intercourse without any contraception. So by regular intercourse, people want to know what is regular really? Are we talking something like every day, you know, or three <laughs> times a day, or, you know? So yeah. we always say regular intercourse is the sexual intercourse at least three times a week or every alternate day. Okay, that's regular. I thought it was yeah. every day or something, but okay. Yes. That sounds doable. <laughs> it's actually quite reasonable. Every yeah. alternate day is then you know, and if you're not on contraception, and you're not falling pregnant, then there must be 
a cause for concern, if that happens over 12 months, then we need to actually get a checkup and see what's happening. That's when you will need to get evaluated for infertility when it's just not happening, like it's not popping. Yes, if it's not happening over, over a period of a year, then you know, hey guys, I've been off contraception for 18 months now. I'm staying with my partner. We do have regular intercourse, but there's no baby. Also, instead of waiting for longer and five years and all of that before you actually go for a checkup, especially for the women, because as the woman's age increases, their fertility actually decreases. Our, our eggs actually have an expiry date, unfortunately. The longer women then delay, you find that maybe they've run out of eggs or the quality of eggs that's actually available is already poor. So it's important to get checked up early so that you know what to do. And the treatment of this condition can also be a bit steep financially. So you need to start saving earlier on. The earlier you know, the more prepared you are. So then what then is the cutoff date or the cutoff age <laughs> for the egg, for the female egg? Well, look, what we found is that once women reach the age of 35, there is a severe decline in the egg quality and quantity. So the recommendation is for women to consider starting a family earlier to be done by 35 at least or depending how many kids you'd like to have we usually say look if you'd like to have a family without the involvement of IVF and you'd like to have about three kids the best age to start is 27 28 for three kids and if you'd like to have only two kids then by the age of 30 you should be starting with your baby making career So now you find that women focus on the career, being the ladder, academic ladder or corporate ladder, and they leave baby making for later. So then only by the ages of 35, 37, others 40, you find that now they're like, okay, I've achieved this. I'm a CEO of what? I'm the deputy director of what? Others come in at 44 and say, doc, I'm ready. You're like, okay, for what? I'm ready to start a family. She's a professor already. She's done astoundingly well. But unfortunately, the reproductive system has also grown old in the process. And unfortunately, the eggs have been depleted because you menstruate every month. You lose about 15 to 25 eggs every month not being used. So then the pool of eggs gets depleted. And by the time you're above 35, not a large number of women can still fall pregnant naturally. So that's when intervention is needed. And sometimes, you know, we've got women at 38 who need to borrow eggs because unfortunately they would not be knowing. So what I usually recommend for women who are focusing on careers or they just don't feel like they have a need to be mothers, the desire is not there, is that maybe they can check in. Majority of women know that they've got a desire to start a family and all that. Maybe they haven't found the right partner. Others are waiting for marriage and the guy is just not asking. Oh, others really just want to be established financially and be financially independent and all of that. Others want that car in the house before they can consider a child, which is a good preference. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So you find that by the time they're done, they were not checking in on the egg quality and presence of the eggs. So I usually recommend that women should consider at least having a test done, visiting a gynae, 
checking if the follicles or the eggs, the houses of the eggs are still visible on the sonar, checking on the ovaries. And then there's a blood test called anti-mullerian hormone, which is a hormone that is secreted by the resting eggs, the pool of eggs that is still available. So once that hormone starts going down, then we have an idea that, look, fertility is being reduced. Therefore, maybe you may need to either freeze your eggs so that you can use them later. They remain the age of 33 that you are, even if Mr. Wright or your knight in shining armor comes at the age of 38 and you get married at 40 or whatever, then you know that your eggs remain 33 years old. Should you encounter an event where you are diagnosed to be infertile at 40, but you've already banged your eggs, you've got that, it's like an insurance over your fertility. So if you check on a yearly basis from the ages of 30, for example, and you see that your AMH is still fine, then there's no need for panic. But really between the ages of 30 to 35, once it's above the age of 35, you're still single, you know you have no prospects of starting a family in the next three years or so, check the AMH, freeze those eggs, and then life can go on. This is very scary business because I'm 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Now> the- oh, <laughs> <my> word. <laughs> the brain cells are working. So Dr. Q, back to infertility then, you know, what would be the typical causes of infertility and do these causes also make it very impossible to actually bear a healthy child? Depends on the cause of infertility. So infertility mostly is associated with not being able to conceive at all. But once those obstacles are overcome, then the health of the child is dependent on the quality of the egg or sperm that was used to produce the baby. So now we will be looking at, we just spoke about the quality of the eggs. So women over the age of 40, for example, have above 40% chance of having a miscarriage, mostly associated with DNA abnormalities, poor quality of the eggs that we find after the age of 40. So different causes depend on the gender. And mostly for women, it will be an egg factor, meaning, as I said, they run out of eggs. If it happens before the age of 40, then it's what we call primary ovarian insufficiency, POI, where you find that mostly women were born with a small pool of eggs and they get depleted over the years. We've had 33-year-olds who've ran out of eggs and they were not even aware. So that could be a condition. Mostly it affects about 1% of the population. So it's not something that we usually screen for unless the individual is aware of such things and then she just comes in to check on her fertility. Then also conditions that affect the eggs are conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is also a very common condition. It can affect about 15%, 15 to 25% of the female population. And this now causes women not to ovulate at all. So you need an egg and a sperm to form a baby. So when a woman is not ovulating, it means then there's no egg that is released monthly. The eggs are there, there are many, but they are not maturing and therefore not releasing for fertilization. And then other conditions will be factors that affect the fallopian tube, 
So women get STIs or what we call pelvic inflammatory disease. Then these infections rise up through the uterus into the fallopian tubes. They cause swelling and blockage of the fallopian tube. And that can cause infertility as well because the egg is there waiting for the sperm to come and rescue it. And the sperm is just blocked in the traffic and never reaches the egg. Therefore, we find that women actually struggle to conceive. Then other factors that can affect the tube as well, and maybe the uterine environment are conditions like endometriosis, where then the anatomy is distorted and the whole inflammatory process that happens with the condition of endometriosis then leads to infertility. Some women, it's just fibroids, you know, and they've got abnormal growth in the muscle of the womb that just distorts the anatomy, normal nature of the womb, and then would block or cause miscarriages and all of that. So then just a simple myomectomy where the fibroids are removed, it's a surgical procedure, then you find that naturally some women can actually conceive just by removing of the fibroids and returning their reproductive system anatomy to normal, and then they naturally conceive. So those are the factors where women are concerned. And as for men, you know, I always say men find themselves having an erection. They think, cool, I'm not infertile. Or even women think, hey, but my partner is good in bed and, you know, there's ejaculation, so he can't be infertile. So the fact that something comes out, it does not mean that sperm is present in the semen. So the semen itself needs to be tested because the semen may be there, even the volume of the semen may be fine. We look for 1.5 mils. So a person can produce two mils of semen during an ejaculation only to find that the testes themselves did not produce the sperm, which is the critical ingredient that is needed for baby making. Or the sperm is there, but it's got poor head shape or the tail is abnormal. Therefore, they cannot swim all the way up to reach the egg and fertilize it, or it cannot penetrate the egg and cause fertilization. So the shape of the sperm is tested the swimming ability of the sperm and the amount of sperm is also tested and we need enough sperm to be able to fertilize the egg and we are talking about a more than 39 million sperm count to fertilize one egg hey that's how strong we are women hey 39 million sperm for just numero uno sperm for one egg so if then the quantity is very low, then you find that infertility becomes a problem. Oh my goodness, I didn't know men also have to, you know, they would, because of how our society is set up, they never get shamed in when you can conceive. It's a patriarchal um, society, unfortunately, but it does take two to ten. So back in the olden days, you will find that always it will be women who are blamed, even today find that whenever there's difficulty in conception, it's the woman who's blamed first. And then back in the day when they realized that it's the men, the old Magogos will make a plan and get the wife to sneak out and the baby is there. <laughs> you know, what then is the incidence of infertility in our country? It's said to be about 15 to 20% of couples that are affected. More or less, we're talking maybe one couple out of every six couples is affected with infertility. So 
if you are on a couple's outing or whatever, you just keep counting one, two, three, four, five, the sixth one, most uh, probably having a problem of infertility. But the statistics are also not quite clear because people are still associating infertility with stigma and shame and they don't come out. So it's not actually a statistic that I would say is truly realistic or representative of the true picture that is happening in reality. I think besides people always telling you to relax and the baby will come, you know, what other viable treatments are available for couples? Yes, relaxing is a requirement because, you know, then women start panicking and having a lot of anxiety. Then the stress hormones rise. Those are counter-interactive to fertility itself. Then after relaxing, it's good to at least trace your period and know how long is your cycle. So there's ovulation apps that are available these days just to record, not that the app will really know when you are ovulating. We calculate and it's a computerized system. But just to keep record, it's nice when a patient comes in and she has a calendar of over six months and you can check that, okay, is it regular, irregular, how long is her cycle? And then we usually say the calculation is that a woman ovulates two weeks before her next period. So if she can predict when her next period is, then 14 days before that, she most likely will be ovulating. So knowing that and timing intercourse to during the time of ovulation, if it's something that you would like to just do on your own first, is actually important. And when women come in and they say already that, look, I've timed my ovulation, I bought an ovulation kit at the nearest pharmacy, I started testing from day 10 of my menstrual cycle and day one meaning is the first day that you start menstruating, day two, day three, day four, you count from day 10 or 11, depending how long the period is, then they can start testing their urine. They wake up every morning like a pregnancy test, test the urine and check if really the body is releasing an egg because the app can say you are ovulating now, but you find that you're a PCOS patient and there's no ovulation actually taking place. So you need to confirm the hormone in the urine. And then your time intercourse during the time of ovulation, because the egg only lasts for 24 hours. You've got 24 hours to make your mark. Otherwise, the egg then disintegrates. You need to know when exactly is that 24-hour period that the egg is actually waiting to be fertilized. And, you know, you can have sexual intercourse for as long as you like, but you miss the actual time at least four days before the 24 hours. And during that 24 hours is the most fertile period for the woman. The sperm can last for about five days in the reproductive canal. So if the sexual intercourse happens at least three days before ovulation, and then if you are intentional about it, you can even time it for during the time of ovulation, then there are higher chances of actually conceiving during your ovulation period. So these are things that people can do on their own at home and they find themselves actually to be quite successful because maybe partners are living apart or away or working away. Then when it comes to medically, then there is what we call intrauterine insemination where we actually help the sperm and insert it into the reproductive canal, drop it in the womb. It has a shorter distance to swim and find its way all the way up the fallopian tube 
to fertilize the egg. So that's artificial insemination or intrauterine insemination. And then if we find that maybe there's a blocked tube or other female factors that are involved or other male factors like reduced sperm count and stuff, we then offer in vitro fertilization, meaning instead of fertilization taking place naturally in the fallopian tube, we assist by providing an environment in the lab where fertilization can actually take place. We provide an environment that is conducive for fertilization. We introduce the egg to the sperm and they can fertilize naturally. Or if we find that maybe there's poor sperm quality, then we are able to put the sperm sample on our trays, look out for the best swimmers, Then when we find the best swimmers, we look for the most handsome sperm with the nice shape of the head and a nice tail, you know, and we choose that lucky buddy. And we are able to then use a small needle to inject into the egg and and assist with fertilization. And that is called intracytoplasmic sperm injection. So it's what we call ICSI. So there's IVF and ICSI that we assist with in the laboratory. And then we allow the uh, embryo to develop. And then between days three to or day five, we are able to then take the embryo and transfer it into the uterus or the womb. Within 10 days or so, the woman is able to do a pregnancy test and voila, the results reveal themselves. Boom, bam, there's your baby in you. <laughs> and, and we always celebrate. We scream yeah. in our office with a, a positive pregnancy test before the patient screams herself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a celebration, hey? We're in this together. And I'm sure you've helped plenty of women. We spoke briefly about the stigma. I wanted to find out then, Dr. Q, you know, why are women also stigmatized or judged for not actually wanting to conceive? What if you're just like, no, it's a no baby zone. It's a choice that a woman make. I think it's because it's part of the norm. People have this understanding that women have this natural maternal instinct that makes them want to have babies. It should happen that then you are observed as strange, but it is actually normal. And every woman has a choice and every woman has a right. And if it's a reproductive right, it's up to the individual whether they want to exercise it or not. So if a woman comes in and they say they do not have any kids, and that's usually my follow-up question, that is, is it out of choice or is it out of circumstance? And then she will then say whether, look, no, I chose not to have babies. I've been on contraception the whole time, blah, 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 you know, and that's the choice they make. We do have, though, others who choose such and they go on to reach their 40s, 45, and then they've got nieces and nephews. And only at the age of 48 do they feel like, look, I need to have somebody. I need to be raising somebody. I need to be taking care of somebody. What's going to happen to all the money that I've worked so hard for? Others are happy to say, I'll give it to my nieces and, you know, my things will be inherited by my nieces and nephews. Then others are like, no, you know, we know that Janet Jackson planned at the age of 50 herself to actually start this reproductive process. So then you find that 
by the time they decide or choose at the age of 45 and they change their minds and say, look, I would actually like to have a baby or I think it's necessary to have a baby, then you'll find that unfortunately it's a bit too late because then they cannot have a biologically identical child or biologically linked child. Then that's when we look for egg donors to actually assist them to go through the pregnancy process. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Dr. Q. For more on matters of fertility, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or you can send us an SMS on 076-132-0454. I will never blue tick you, babes. While it would be nice if those who wanted to get pregnant did and those who didn't, didn't. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the reality is that the more you want a baby of your own, the more you see negative pregnancy test results in other women with belly bumps. Whether you are feeling jealous or grateful that that isn't you just yet, family planning can be an emotionally charged process. Like Dr. Q said, Everyone's journey through pregnancy will look slightly different. A number of factors can also affect whether you're able to conceive and how easily it happens for you. That brings us to the end of episode 29 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. Peace.